listening, sort of entering my world um, via, you know, a guest that I've had. And then they discover, oh, wait, and they look through my archives of my podcast and say, oh, I also want to hear, you know, the interview with this other person. And so they listen to that one. And then they're, you know, they hear me talking, they hear my voice, they might see a mention of an article I've written, then they visit my blog, they sign up for my newsletter, and then they become part of my circle. Welcome to Podcasting Smarter, the podcast for and by podcasters. We interview podcasters for the real scoop on podcasting. Whether you're thinking about starting a podcast or have been podcasting for years, you'll find lots of inspiration, valuable lessons, and tips in our interviews. This podcast is brought to you by Podbean. Please visit podbean.com, the home for podcasters. Welcome back to Podcasting Smarter. I am your host, Jennifer Crawford, and on this episode, we are going to learn how to be smarter podcasters with Abby Glassenberg. Abby is the host of the successful podcast, While She Naps. She is also a creative entrepreneur whose podcast is just one thread of a rich career she has sewn together that includes blogging, writing, sewing, teaching, and design. Thanks for joining us today, Abby. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to have you. I think you have such a great story and business, and I love that podcasting is such a strong part of all of that. So why don't we start by you telling us how and why you got into podcasting? Um, sure. So I had my blog, which is also the same name, Walshy Naps, for many years. I started it in May of 2005. Um, and as it evolved in the very beginning, it was really just things I was making while my new baby napped. So that's the name. Um, and so it evolved, though, over time from kind of random things I was making. I was gardening. I was decorating cakes. I was sewing a little bit. Um, and then it really became a sewing blog. And then I started to design my own sewing patterns. I made soft sculpture for years, which led to a book deal. And then I started making um, stuffed animals, which led to a second book deal. And so I started writing craft books and then self-publishing my own patterns. And so the blog really evolved and changed over the years. And then at one point, it really started to become more about the business side of craft because I became really interested in kind of how things were running behind the scenes. Um, and so as part of that exploration on the blog through written articles and interviews, um, I wanted to write a, an article about a woman who had many, many years, for many, many years, designed patterns for, uh, I think it was from McCall's. And, you know, her career really peaked in the 80s. And so she was an older woman now. And I really felt like I wanted to talk to her and find out more about her career, but I didn't think that she would be that into, you know, a blog post. Like I did at that point, I didn't think really think, think she would know what a blog post was. So I was like, you know, the best thing would be to just call her on the phone and ask if I could record the conversation and then just publish the recording. So that's what I did. She was totally happy to be asked and we had a great conversation and I just published it as an MP3 on my blog. And so that was really the first podcast episode. Um, it just came out of necessity. And then it happened again a few months later. Um, I am an Etsy seller. I've been an Etsy seller since Etsy was in beta in 2005. And I follow Etsy's sort of path and trajectory really closely. And um, in 2013, Etsy made this huge announcement that they were changing their definition of what the word handmade meant. And it was really significant. I watched the, the press coverage of it. And then I wrote, I guess, one of the first 
blog post kind of covering this significant change. And somebody from Etsy emailed me and said, you know, we'd love to talk to you further about it. We've read your post and, um, you know, we'd like to sort of answer any questions. And I thought to myself, I don't really have any questions I want to personally ask Etsy, but if I could record that conversation, that would be of interest to everyone, my, and, you know, all my readers and myself included. So I wrote back and I, I told my husband, I'm like, she's never going to say yes. I was like, I, you know, I'll t- I'd love to talk to you if we can record the conversation and I can post the recording. And she wrote right back and said, sure. So um, the next day uh, we recorded the conversation and I had no, you know, at this point I have no theme music. I have like <laughs> nothing. Um, and I, and I just posted, um, I posted the conversation and I did actually at that point, you know, register for iTunes and and kind of kind of make things legitimate. But I, I really, I mean, I had I didn't own a microphone. It was just like the mic that was built into my Mac. And um, so anyway, I posted the the conversation and uh, blew through my bandwidth. Um, that's when I started using Podbean, and I um, just had to upgrade my account because I, I got eight thousand downloads in the first day. Um, and I was like, you know what? I need a podcast. Like I can, I want to <laughs> keep doing this, and there's all these people I want to talk to, and so it really just came out of necessity. I I probably recorded four conversations um, kind of leading up to January, I think of 2014, could have been 2013. I think it was 2014. Um, And then at that point, I was like, okay, we need a plan. So I sat down and I said, you know, what is this going to really be? Uh, I got theme music, I bought a microphone, and I committed that I was going to publish two episodes a month. And so, you know, I made a plan for that. And um, I've been doing that ever since then. So that was when I got serious about it. But I think I had to kind of try it first for a while to see whether it was really something that I wanted to do and that I knew I could commit to because I don't like to make promises that I can't follow through on. Sure. Yeah. I love that origin story and I can feel that excitement in your voice for for podcasting. So I have a question. So you said that that first um, that that episode with Etsy got like 8000 downloads, which is a a huge number. You know, a lot of podcasters are going to be jealous about about that. Do you think that the podcast brought you a an additional audience or do you think the your blogging audience became your podcast audience or a little bit of both do you have a sense of that um, it definitely is a little bit of both. So it helped a lot that I had an audience first. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to lie about that for sure. I mean, I had been blogging for a long time and I had a, you know, a readership I had already built up. I had a, a newsletter list. It was much, much smaller then, but I, you know, I did have one and I was using, uh, you know, using it weekly. So I was already a person that people knew about. Yeah. Um, but having the podcast has been hugely helpful in sort of becoming more established in my industry because a lot of people find the podcast for the first time because they see a share on Facebook or they see a mention on Instagram, my community, because I'm a sewing pattern designer, is a very visual community. And so we really are on Instagram in a, in a big way. Um, and so they might see a share there or see a post there um, by somebody that they follow who I've interviewed. And so they're entering listening, sort of entering my world um, via, you know, a guest that I've had. And then they discover 
oh, wait, and they look through my archives of my podcast and say, oh, I also want to hear, you know, the interview with this other person. And so they listen to that one. And then they're, you know, they hear me talking, they hear my voice, they might see a mention of an article I've written, then they visit my blog, they sign up for my newsletter, and then they become part of my circle. So um, it has introduced me to a much larger audience. And um, also, I will say through the podcast, the best thing for me is that I always want to talk to these industry leaders. And by having a podcast, I have a total excuse to call them on the phone and talk to them for an hour and ask them all the questions I've always wanted to ask them. So then afterward, we often continue the conversation, you know, off the recording. And later, you know, that person, I might meet them at a conference or just email them back and forth, and they become somebody that I know, and that's in my network. And that's been absolutely fantastic as well. There's so many great points in what you just said. I'm, I'm sticking with the sewing theme because what you were saying about how through Instagram um, and the sharing of your your blog post, people will find you. It's it's almost like you're dropping threads and those threads are coming together in all kinds of interesting patterns and ways. So I love that. And also the point you made about you have an excuse now to talk to industry leaders. It's not, you know, you, you've eliminated like the cold call and the cold email. You have a podcast. You have a reason to instigate a, a one-on-one discussion and a relationship with them. That's a really good pro, like for a, a reason to podcast. Yeah, and I often, you know, I, I watch what you know what's happening on the scene very carefully. And so, if somebody's got something new that they're launching, like a new book out or a new division of their company or something like that, um, like a shift in roles, then that is a good time to reach out to that person to see if they would be a guest. Because I always say in my guest, you know, when I pitch to somebody to say, would you like to be a guest, that I'm happy to promote, you know, their most recent thing. And I, I name whatever that thing is um, or upcoming ventures. If they're going to be, you know, teaching at a national conference, I'm happy to promote that teaching gig or whatever. Because um, you know, at the end of the interview, I'm always like, well, what's coming next for you? And give them a chance to say that. Um, and so people are very inclined to say yes. I mean, being on a podcast is fairly easy. It takes up maybe an hour of your time, not a lot of prep work. Um, and you don't have to write anything. You just sit in your office and talk, um, which is not super hard for most people. And, you know, it's it's a co- you know, it's a mutual, mutual benefit for both of us. Like it benefits me in a lot of different ways, but it also is beneficial to the guests. Yeah, it's so true. If you're interviewed on a podcast, it's almost, almost like a little commercial for you without it being commercial-like at all. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, you know, and, and even if the people listening don't immediately go and buy something, they've become aware of you. Yes. Um, and and if, they've, if they were already aware of you and that's why they downloaded the episode, now they've become more intimately aware of you and, and have a better, you know, closer relationship to you. So, um, so I think it's a, an attractive thing for people to do. And that's why many people who maybe have never heard of me say yes when I ask. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to go back to your point about you had an audience as a blogger and that helped your podcast. So I know there are a lot of bloggers out there that may be considering starting their podcast. Would you recommend they wait until they build an audience or should they just start podcasting whenever they're ready? 
Um, that's a good question. I don't think you have to wait. I've definitely seen other people within um, my niche um, start podcasts without much of an audience and have a lot of success. I will say that it's a lot. Um, it's a lot of work. You know, I think that it looks easy. Like I just said, you know, what is it? The con- You know, you just sit and talk for half an hour, for an hour, and, and that's it. But um, actually, as the podcaster, it's quite a bit more work than that. Um, and so I think, you know, to me, like the, the easiest part of podcasting, the easiest time in podcasting is like the first six weeks um, or the first, you know, five or six episodes because you're so excited and you're running on adrenaline and you're like, I've got this new thing and it's so awesome and uh, amazing and all of this. But when it when it actually becomes harder is, you know, three, four, five months in, a year and a half in when it, you know, the, so that sort of initial excitement is worn off and it does become work to a certain degree. I mean, you know, even when you don't feel like it, you have to search for and book new guests. You have to get uh, the materials that you need from them in advance. You have to um, record the episode, edit the episode, write the show notes, promote the show. I mean, there's quite a good deal of work involved. And so I feel like it's probably not great for your brand as a blogger to promise a podcast, start a podcast, and then, as they call it, pod fade, um, and just sort of, you know, say, like, I couldn't keep up with it, or promise that it's going to be weekly, and then you haven't updated it in three months because you just ran out of steam. So I would just say be sure that, you know, I have a twice a month show, and would, I, would it be better if it was weekly? Absolutely. But I just know that I'm a mom of three kids. And I do many other things besides my podcast and that I wouldn't be able to commit and follow through if it was weekly. And so it's not. Um, so I think you just need to make sure before you make a promise that you can really do it. It's funny that you brought up the point that it's a lot of work. And I agree it is because one of my questions for you, because after, you know, I spent some time looking at your blog and listening to your podcast and it's you have you do you do a lot. And so I was wondering, how do you do it all? Do you have a lot of help? <laughs> um, well, you know, it helps that my kids are a little bit older. You know, I have three kids, but they are uh, going to be shortly in um, seventh grade and fifth grade in kindergarten. So it, that helps a lot because they're not babies um, right now. You know, they have they have a school calendar, a school schedule, and that helps. Um, but I run my business alone. I have. Um, uh, so a couple of contractors, like I have somebody who helps me with my website when my website crashes and I need help. And I have somebody who does some graphic design work for my patterns. Um, but they're all, you know, just contractors. But I, I do it all myself. I, I'm a busy person and I like to be busy. Um, I kind of thrive on that uh, big to-do list. And I'm very goal-centric. Um, and so, you know, sometimes... Uh, things fall through the cracks, both with being a mom and with the business. But most of the time, it works out well. And I really like being able to work from home with a flexible schedule so that I can do both of these things uh, at the same time. So are there any apps or pro- productivity tools that you use to kind of make it a little easier? Um, yeah, I mean, I love Pocket. So Pocket is a, a free app that you can use on your phone as well as as a uh, browser extension. And it just basically saves articles for you to read later. And so I almost never can read an article when I see it. Um, I'll just see the headline, maybe from Facebook, Twitter, um, somebody's blog or whatever. And I know that it looks great, but I can't read it right now. So I send it to Pocket um, and 
And I send out a weekly email newsletter on Wednesdays, and it has a roundup of links related to sewing and blogging and small business. And um, so I go into pocket the day before the newsletter goes out, and I read all the articles, and that's how I create my link list. Um, And so that's super helpful. I, I absolutely love pocket, and actually pocket sent me um, an email at the end of uh, last year saying I was one of their power users. <laughs> really? I, I, I like use Pocket more than any other human. I absolutely love Pocket. So that's one. And then I run a trade organization for craft industry professionals, which is called Craft Industry Alliance with a business partner who lives on the other side of the country. And so we use Slack all the time. I mean, we're mm-hmm. on, constantly on Slack to communicate with our team. We have um, writers and a uh, graphic designer and illustrator and a tech person and everything who kind of help us with that. And so um, Slack is absolutely fantastic for um, for those tasks. I use both of those things that you mentioned, and I am a huge fan of Pocket. So I have a question for you. Do you use the free version or do you have you pay, do you use the paid version of Pocket? I use the free version of Pocket. Um, Me too. I'm, yeah, I'm sure there's probably perks that the paid version um, offers, and I do you know recommend paying for things that you use and love, but um, I haven't yet upgraded my Pocket, so... I haven't either. I was hoping you had because I, I really want to know if it's worth upgrading. <laughs> <laughs> it probably is. I mean, their service is really, really good. So, yeah, I, I love it. And I love they have the little applet. So it's right in your your browser window and you can yeah. just save it right there. I use it constantly. It saved <laughs> me so many times. I'm so glad you, you mentioned that. So I was wondering, you're a creator and you thrive on creativity. It, it's obviously such an important part of your life. Do you feel a pressure to to bring that creativity to your podcast and and if so how how do you deal with that um you know i think that a big part of being the host and producer and maker completely of the podcast myself is that um you get to curate the guests. And I think that that is actually a creative act. It might seem Mm -hmm. strange to say that, but, um, you know, being able to see who is out there who would be interesting to talk to, who hasn't had a chance to tell their story yet in an audio format, um, who has some renown in something that maybe people are curious about, but haven't really had a chance to hear about, you know, an inside, an insider's glimpse of. Um, And so identifying that person who is the guest, then um, once they've agreed to be on the show, figuring out what questions to ask them uh, so that you can get to the parts of their story that are sort of meatiest and um, need to be told. That is all creative in a way. I mean, it, it, it requires a good deal of research, a lot of reading, um, a lot of sort of keeping abreast of what's happening and a lot of watching. Um, so I actually do think all of that is a, is a creative act. And um, and that's part of the reason that I don't take pitches for guests. Um, I think that becomes a big pr- sort of thing you have to face when you're a podcaster and maybe something that you should develop a plan around. Um, because once your podcast does become fairly popular um, and people start listening to it, uh, people want to get on it as a guest. And so you might want to take pitches and you might not want to or you know, you know, or, or maybe sort of a mixture. And you have to kind of decide, how am I going to react when I get the pitch emails? Um, and so I've just really across the board said, thank you, but I don't take pitches because I really feel like curating that guest list is my my job. And that's kind of my creativity there. 
Yeah, the curating the guest list that I agree that does take some creativity, but also, you know, it's work for you. But I guess because you're so tapped into your to your community, you're able to see those opportunities for good guests. But I like your approach where you see a, a potential guest, but you are constantly asking yourself if the guest would benefit from being on your podcast as well as your podcast benefiting from them being on it. So I like how you look for that mutually beneficial relationship. Oh, yeah. For I sure. think that's really important. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that answer a lot. All right. So I know you mentioned Instagram because obviously um, with your you being a creator, it's a very visual platform. So now you have a podcast, which is an audio platform. What social media uh, works best for the, for your podcast? That's a great question. And I do think that it is the podcaster's job to um, to do the work of promoting the show. I don't think that you can simply publish an episode and hope for the best. Um, you know, if you want that episode to do well, if you want people who would like it to find it, you need to do work to promote it. So um, in my podcast episodes toward the end, I always ask my um, guests to recommend three things that they're enjoying right now. And listeners absolutely love those recommendations. Um, and so if the podcast guest recommends something that um, maybe a book somebody's written, a product somebody's created, an app, that kind of thing, I will go to um, the Facebook page of those things, you know, whether whether that is the author of the book, the app creator, whatever, and I will just post on that person's page saying, hey, um, you know, my most recent podcast guest recommended your product. Uh, if you'd like to listen for free, it's right here and give them the link. And a lot of times they will listen and share it with their audience. So that's one thing that I definitely do go on Facebook and try to do that. Um, and then I also think it's my job as the podcast maker to promote the show. And you can't put that on the guest as the guest job. Um, sometimes the guests will promote the show and sometimes they won't. And you can't be upset if they decide not to because it's really not their job. You're the one making the media. And so you, it's your job to promote the thing you've made. Um, so I always will send my guests, oh, you know, hi, thank you so much. The, the show is now up. Here's a link. And then I'll send them the show artwork and I'll tell them, you know, I'll be promoting the show throughout the week on social media. And oftentimes they'll write back and say, oh my gosh, I love it. You know, I'm going to promote it right now on my Facebook page. I'm going to go put it on my Instagram right now. And they will, but sometimes they won't. And that's okay. Like it's, you know, I don't tell them they have to for sure, but it's nice if they do. So then after the show comes out, besides, you know, Facebook, I will put it on my own Instagram. Um, and figuring out how to share it on Instagram is always a challenge. I mean, do you use the same um, artwork from the show or do you pull a quote from the episode? I think that's always really nice. Uh -huh. And you have it written out really nicely and make a visual and put that on Instagram. Um, I do a blog post that has um, the show notes in it as well as the show artwork and a link that people can download um, or actually listen and stream the show from Podbean right there on the um, on the blog post. So mm -hmm. that's there. It goes out in my weekly email newsletter, which is really helpful. Um, so that goes out on Wednesdays. The show goes out Monday. And then uh, I get kind of a, a bigger kick on Wednesday because I have a large email list. And so um, that is very helpful as well. Those are great tips. I really like the point you made about not putting the responsibility of 
promotion on your guest because I think a lot of podcasters do get frustrated when their guests don't promote the show. But also I like the the point that you made about if your guest wants to promote the show, you make it easy for them by providing the links, the visuals. So it's already prepared for them and they don't have to put a lot of work into promoting the episode. So I think that's both of those are really, really great tips. Yeah, I've had people, I've been a guest on podcasts where people have actually sent me pre-written tweets and pre-written written yeah. Facebook shares where you can just copy and paste. I mean, I don't do that because I don't actually ever use this because I don't like people putting words in my mouth, but I know that other <laughs> people, it's probably super convenient for them. And so I probably should create those things. But that's a good tip too, if you want to do that. Yeah. Now, have you monetized your podcast? I have. I waited a while. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted first to prove to myself that I liked doing it and was going to stick with it. Um, and I also wanted to be able to provide value to advertisers. So I didn't want to, you know, ask for money and then, you know, take an ad and then it have no results for the advertiser. So I waited until I had an audience that I felt was large enough to provide value um, and to make it worthwhile for the amount I could charge. Because, you know, an ad, it does take time. It takes, you know, it takes effort to to create. And so if you're just going to do it for $20, it's probably not worth it. Um, So I wanted to sort of wait until it was all kind of scaled large enough to make it worthwhile. Um, and then I started kind of small, you know, I, um, I can't even remember now what the first ads were, but, um, I think they were a hundred dollars and, um, and I waited, I probably did that for maybe six months um, before I I doubled the price and now they're $200. um, And, but you get really good value for that. You get um, a 20 second pre-roll, a two minute mid-roll and a 20 second, you know, after the show post-roll. I don't know if that's a word. Um, And the two minute mid-roll, I actually give people an option so they can either send me um, pre-written talking points and I can talk um, about their company or they can send me a pre completely pre-written ad and I'll read it or and this is the best one I think um, we can do a little two-minute mini interview and so those oh. are are really great and so I record those and put them as the two-minute mini interview and a lot of times people will say I loved the ad on this show because I like talk to you know we did like spoon flower is um, digital fabric printer and we did an ad with them where I talked to the woman who runs their printers about the printer and she was like in the print room and um, it was fantastic. I mean, people are like super curious about that and it was like this wonderful mini interview and so um, so they've, they've been really successful and then you also get a mention and banner ad in the show notes as well as in the email newsletter and the email newsletter, you know, because it does have such a large audience um, and there's a visual in it, uh, it, it gets a lot of clicks. And so, um, so I do think it's value, you know, the $200 is, you know, payment is working for people. And I hear back that, you know, they are making 5k in sales from that and stuff. So it's it, I waited a while, and then I did it. And I think um, now it's a, a really established and successful program. And it proves that you can monetize a podcast that isn't gigantic. I mean, I, I contacted Midroll and I was like, hey, can I, you know, can I get in on your program? And they're like, no, your podcast is too small. Um, but I was like, all right, I can just run my podcast, my, my pro- ad program myself. And, um, 
And it is possible. And, you know, I, I'm able to promote smaller companies that are very targeted to a DIY community, a creative, you know, sewing community. And so it's, it's been, it's been really good. Yeah. And that return on investment, if somebody's making 5,000 in sales from your $200 ad, you cannot argue with those numbers. <laughs> that's, Absolutely. that's great. And the nice thing is that ad stays forever. So, you know, if a year from now, someone's like, oh, I just discovered the Washington Apps podcast and I want to go back and uh, listen to, you know, episode number four or whatever, the ad is still there. So... Yeah, that's that's a a great point. It's it's evergreen. It's it's around forever. Uh, so, and you mentioned that you waited until you got to a certain size. Do you mind sharing like how many downloads you were at before you thought you were ready to look at sponsorships? That's a good question. And you know, this is always so hard because iTunes doesn't give you any data as a podcaster, which right. is really frustrating. And so you're very dependent on the data that your um, hosts, your audio hosts, which mine is Podbean hosts, you know, gives you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's impossible to know how perfect that data is. Like, is somebody just listening for five seconds, um, you know, or do they listen all the way to the end? I mean, I don't think that the data is really good. Um, and, and I'm very honest with with my advertisers and they ask me like, who is listening? And I don't know. I don't have demographic data. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I, it's, it's really, it's very like a black box. Um, and so I, I try to be upfront about that and that it's not my fault that I don't know. It's literally like nobody knows. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so I hope that that is something that can change as time goes by. But um, so, and it's also very difficult for podcasters to know what a good download number is because um, it's a fairly new medium. And, you know, it's like in blogging, you can be like, okay, I have 100,000 page views. That's like a certain level. You know what I mean? And in podcasting, it's like, well, what is a good download number? Um, and so anyway, I, I typically get maybe 2,000 downloads within the first 24 hours. Um, and so then you wait a week out, you know, and you maybe have 4,000 and then a month out, around eight, something like that. Um, and then if you wait, you know, a little longer than a month, it get, it can sometimes get to 12. It just depends. Um, but that's, that's where I am right now. And again, it's very hard to know how does that compare to anybody else? You know, I, I don't know yet. Yeah. Well, I think you just have to keep doing what you're doing. I mean, obviously you've seen success. Um, you're successful in that you have a, an, a loyal audience, you have a thriving business, you have sponsors. So I, I know a lot of podcasters would be super happy to see that. <laughs> so, so congratulations on all your oh, successes. Thank you. thank you so much. Yeah. Now, is there anything you're really excited about, something coming up for your podcast that you have planned? Um, oh, that's a good question. Well, I mean, I think I'm just going to keep going. You know, I, I love doing it. I'm going to be at um, SoPro, which is a brand new conference for people who sew and want to turn their sewing into a business, which is in Chicago in September, in mid-September. And I'm going to be filming, I'm filming, recording um, an interview while I'm there with um, the president of Wyndham Fabrics, which is one of the major uh, manufacturers of quilting cotton. And I think I'm, I've done a couple of in-person in interviews like this in the past and they're always they always have really good energy because you're right in the room
room and you can kind of read the other person's facial expressions. And I think it's, it's really fun to do that. And I'm hoping for this one to maybe have a studio audience, which I've never done before, but I think would be really fun if people are into coming. And since we're at a conference, I know we're going to be in one of the, you know, smaller ballrooms or something, people can come and sit um, and, and sort of be part of the podcast in that way. So I'm excited for that. Um, and I'm kind of, I'm thinking about doing something special for the end of the year, kind of an end of the year wrap up. Um, but I haven't totally determined yet. I'm considering using SpeakPipe, which is this program where people can record audio and send it to you. Um, and then sort of stringing all of those together to create something for the end of the year. But I have to come up with a question that I think people would be interested in answering um, to be part of that show. And I'm still that over. Okay, that that sounds like a lot of things coming up that are exciting. Yeah. Okay, so I have a couple of questions that I ask in this podcast that I don't send ahead of time, but they're just fun questions. So um, one of them is, uh, what person, living or dead, do you wish had a podcast? Oh my goodness! Do I wish had a pod- well. So I love Elon Musk, and um, mm-hmm. I just read the Elon Musk um, biography, and I think that you know he's a person who is unafraid and um, is breaking the rules, and but is sort of saying, well, why just because things have always been this way, they don't always have to be this way. And, you know, I also think he, he's he's kind of a difficult person and, and an interesting person. So I, I would love to hear more from Elon. I agree. I think that's a good choice. I'm fascinated by Elon Musk myself. And I've heard that there, I haven't researched it, but apparently there's some uh, like internal memos that he's written to um, to his company employees that are, are pretty wild that yeah. I might reflect his difficultness, but also his genius at the same time. Absolutely. <laughs> I just really admire people who, who say, well, you know, just because this is how we all think this has to be done, you know, we can sell cars and malls. We don't have to have dealerships. We don't, you know, why don't we think about this in a completely, like just turn everything upside down and think about it from a completely new way. And um, that's something I, I wish I could do and admire in other people. And so I'd like to hear more from him. Good answer. Okay. So if there was a podcast about your life, what would it be called? Oh my god! <laughs> um, yeah, well, it's a it's a little crazy over here. I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna lie about that. Um, hmm, what would it be called? Um, I would say she holds it all together. Is what it would be called because great that's answer. Probably what I would I, do. I would listen to she holds it all together <laughs> because I'm barely doing it. <laughs> oh, I love that answer. Okay, so finally, um, l- why don't you tell everybody how they can find you, your blog, and your podcast? Sure. I mean, the best place to find me is, and all of those things, is on my blog, which is whilesheknaps.com. And there's a tab there where you can, there's a podcast tab where you can find all of the episodes. I think I'm on episode 80. Um, and you can also sign up for my weekly email newsletter where you'll get a notification about new episodes. 
I am totally going to do that because I'm already a fan of your podcast. Oh, thank thank you. you. Yeah, thank you so much. We're going to put all of these things in the show notes uh, so people don't have to, to worry about writing uh, frantically while they listen. And I really enjoyed our conversation. I personally learned a lot. I've got, I'm writing down tips myself about some of the things that you mentioned during this episode, and I'm sure others will too. So thanks again, Abby, for coming on Podcasting Smarter. Oh, that's that's. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> great. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for joining us for Podcasting Smarter. You can check our show notes at podcast.podbean.com for links and details. Please like our podcast, leave your comments, and help us spread the word to other podcasters so we can bring you more great episodes with podcasting tips and inspiration from fellow podcasters. If you want to connect with other podcasters or get interviewed on this podcast, please join our Podcasting Smarter Facebook group. We look forward to welcoming you to the community. Happy podcasting!